That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some Blunt Business with your host. And hello, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of Blunt Business. Presented by the USCC Expo, the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. You can learn more at usccexpo.com, and we'll tell you more about it later on in the show. So this week, we are speaking with what is being descri- who, who is being described as a, quote, forward-thinking entrepreneur in this new cannabis landscape, end quote. There's some big words. There, this company's new, quote, generation of environmentally sustainable, state-of-the-art, cannabis cultivation and processing with its publicly traded agricultural technology company, his company that started in Colorado and is now expanding into the state of Massachusetts where we're going to have our focus on this week's show. The company is called AmeriCam, A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-N. It started construction recently on the Massachusetts Medical Cannabis Center. On a 52-acre parcel located 30 miles from Providence, Rhode Island, 50 miles from Boston, they are building nearly a million square feet of cannabis cultivation and processing infrastructure, which will be developed in phases and plans to support both the existing medical cannabis and newly emerging adult-use cannabis marketplace. We haven't talked much about uh, legal and medical use in the state of Massachusetts, but we're happy to welcome the CEO of American, Tim Keogh. Thanks for joining us here on Blunt Business. Thanks for having me on. Hey, my pleasure. Really glad to have this conversation together with you. Like I said, we haven't had a chance to talk much about it, but let's give a little context to what's happening in Massachusetts for those of you listeners that might not be aware. Massachusetts recreational yeah. cannabis dispensaries are selling more. I'm sorry, I just got the context for you. I got one thing for you, though. With Massachusetts recreational cannabis dispensaries selling more than $7 million of cannabis in the first three weeks of sales, American is well positioned to meet growing demand. Now, what we learned from a recent press release, it says, quote, American identified the potential of Massachusetts and executed a plan to make a major impact in the Commonwealth several years ago. Now, in the same release that we are quoting from, it said, opening sales figures from the first two storefronts highlight the tidal wave of demand that may outstrip supply for the foreseeable future. This validates our early efforts to secure this one million square feet of infrastructure to serve the market. My thing is always ask the question before so that you don't have to go through and ramble, you know, r- run through the how did you do it. 
But now that I gave that context there, Tim, take me behind the thinking of why Massachusetts was such a viable market. We've looked at Massachusetts. We've we've looked at uh, markets uh, throughout the United States, and you know, depending on the regulatory structure, you know, we have a, a saying: is you know, not all not all markets are uh, are created equal. Um, Massachusetts has one of the most attractive markets for the cannabis industry in the United States. We've got a very high addressable population under medical patient population uh, was forecasted to you know reach over 100,000 patients. Uh, and then with the addition of adult use access, um, you know we're looking at um, a very dense population, the licensing structure, uh, while it's been slow to um, take hold, both under medical and under adult use, allowed for um, vertical integration and uh, did not restrict that. Um, so, you know, the, the regulatory structure is favorable. It allows for retail or sales through storefronts, uh, wholesale transactions amongst licensed operators, uh, direct home delivery, which is a, a real game changer for um, a new market and, um, you know, a, a high population. So, you know, the combination of all those, you know, led our kind of pursuit of um, a way to participate in that market. And unlike Colorado and California and Washington and Oregon, where you've got a lot of existing infrastructure, you know, you've got decades of cannabis cultivators, um, dispensaries, thousands of storefronts, uh, Massachusetts is starting out with, um, you know, basically a blank slate and having to build that up, you know, really highlighted an opportunity for us as a company to come in and help provide a solution to um, that infrastructure. Yeah, there's and, a real difference between some companies that are looking to, they already have an existing infrastructure, and I know there's a lot of companies in California now that are offering delivery services and also definitely going into the realm of wholesale cannabis. And that's the same idea where it goes on with many companies in Canada. But, you know, there's not a lot of companies that are willing to go ahead and there's some that are looking to go ahead and get into the existing market, like you said, with Colorado and California to get started just because everything is already getting to play. For those that are looking to go ahead and make the spend to go ahead and go into a, a new market, even though that market is now open, some companies I can understand being hesitant going to that route. They need to have that real capital to go and be able to make that uh, in, inroads into a new market. So now one thing that's interesting that I noticed is that you plan to use greenhouse technology as opposed to an indoor grow. Now, Massachusetts does have a share of harsh weather every year. I mean, the winter you always see where we are, there's always snow and there's always pretty harsh conditions. So I don't know how much a uh, Outdoor growing can be done even when the greenhouse effect as well. But with the help of your company's new generation of what, like I said, environmentally sustainable, state-of-the-art cannabis cultivation and processing, uh, how would you be able to tackle this environment? Yeah, so, you know, we, so we identified this need, right? There's going to be, there's a lack of infrastructure. And in order for the market to reach its full potential, uh, someone needed to uh, grow and process um, you know, at full maturity, $1.6 billion worth of cannabis for adult use in the medical market. Uh, so there's a tremendous need. And then the question was, well, what type of cultivation infrastructure should we put in? Right? We could go and utilize the legacy model of cultivation and acquire or lease an existing facility and renovate that facility 
but the cost to upgrade uh, a warehouse or an old mill building into a cultivation facility is extremely high. Uh, you're creating you know, 100% artificial environment, artificial lighting, cooling, dehumidification. Um, so it's expensive to construct, but then more importantly, it's expensive to operate. And so by taking a step back and saying, okay, we understand that you can grow cannabis indoors, but how should we be growing this plant? And keep in mind that this is a plant. So what we did was we brought in traditional horticultural experts. We brought in a team of cannabis cultivators, lean manufacturing experts, our architects, our engineers. And we said, all right, um, we want to create our own system. We don't want to perpetuate a legacy of this indoor model. We want to bring in a state-of-the-art, efficient process to grow cannabis. Um, and what we landed on was greenhouse. So hmm. greenhouses are, you know, we grow products, we grow produce, we grow lettuce, um, cut flowers and greenhouses all over the United States. You know, there are greenhouses in Massachusetts and Canada, a lot of the infrastructure that's going in is, is greenhouse technology, and there are so many benefits to it. But you can boil it down to two key pieces, cost of construction and cost of operations. So cost of constructing a greenhouse facility as compared to an indoor facility is almost half the cost. Um, so we have savings up front in terms of decreasing the amount of capital required to build the building. Um, where it gets really exciting is when you look at the cost to operate. By pulling in natural sunlight, we're, we're able to kick out about 60, over 60% of the utility consumption as compared to a comparable sized uh, indoor facility. So we're grabbing natural sunlight. We're also building from the ground up. So we're able to build in a lot of efficiencies as it relates to um, labor efficiencies and utility inputs um, with the design. And so that's helping to also drive down the cost of production. But the key is, um, you know, really getting rid of that hundred percent artificial environment. Now, real quick um, question. As compared to, uh, yeah. When it comes to this million square foot facility that you're building, <clears throat> now I want to find out about, uh, first of all, how much of the space will be attributed to the grow area? And I guess also, because of the size of the facility, I don't know how much of a parcel you had to go ahead and collect to be able to go ahead and get this facility put together, but I also want to know if it was in a rural area, if it's a part where you would need to have any other infrastructure brought into the mix as well, if that's being brought into the cost, if that's something that's already there. I wanted to know what kind of uh, other factors might have come in because of the size of the facility and what you're having to bring in to make that operate. Sure, man. Yeah, so it's a 50-acre parcel. Um, it's in an industrial zone, um, okay. in the town of Freetown, Massachusetts. Um, so this is a, an industrial park that was designed, uh, kind of in the late nineties, early two thousands put in place. And there are, there are five parcels within the, uh, industrial park mm -hmm. and we acquired two of them and that makes up the 50 acres. Um, but one of the benefits for us was the plan and the park had already been pre-approved. So the stormwater plan was in place. The oh, roads right. were in, we've got uh, natural gas coming to, uh, coming to the property, electrical service. 
Um, and so all of the, the physical requirements for the property were there. And, and just to kind of give you some context, we purchased the property from Boston Beer. Uh, they're the maker of Sam Adams. Oh, there we go. And yeah, another another publicly traded company. <laughs> um, and we we kind of look at it the the transition from from alcohol to cannabis, uh, going from Boston Beer over to American. Um, but Boston Beer had plans approved, and they were ready to construct a two hundred million dollar brewery on the 50 acre site. In fact, if you ever see any of the um, photos of the property, you'll see these large mounds of uh, soil that were brought in by Boston Beer to preload the site for the the tall grain silos. Um, So they they were ready to go. And it wasn't until almost the midnight hour when they got a phone call from an existing brewery down in Pennsylvania. And then this existing brewery said, look, we have an existing facility that's got two times the capacity of what you're proposing to build in Freetown and we'll sell it to you for, you know, I don't know what the exact number was, but let's say 75% of the cost. Um, and it's ready now versus, you know, Boston beer embarking on building out this $200 million brand new brewery. What a fascinating story. Yeah. The the site became plan B for them, but the important part was, you know, they were ready to go. So there was adequate water supply. Um, there was uh, adequate utilities, the natural gas. And, um, you know, that led us down the path. None of this would have been possible without the town of Freetown. The town of Freetown, um, in their infinite wisdom, decided to uh, zone the industrial park as uh, by right zoning ordinance for medical marijuana activity back in 2013. That's great. Um, really looked out there. Know, I'll tell you what. Yeah, okay. they did. You know, if you look at the, the, the contrast that against the 50% of the towns and, and cities in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts that have taken the position of banning or putting in moratoriums or, you know, trying to slow play the regulations, Freetown went out and said, you know what, um, this industry is coming and, and if it is going to come, you know, like this is a, an appropriate zone for it to go to. And now, let's, let's we, go talk uh, about the other obstacles you might have. I mean, obviously the local, the Freetown, Massachusetts uh, people and the officials there definitely helped you out. But I want to also talk about any conflicts that might be there regarding federal and state laws, banking, tax, states' rights issues. Uh, even though with all those obstacles might be in front of you as well, you've obviously tackled the hurdle with when it comes to the facility. America still expects a lot of progress in 2019, and I wanted to know what other progress can we expect for this year? Well, listen, I, you know, baked into the DNA of American is a core belief that if someone can benefit from access to cannabis, whether that's a, a patient or a responsible adult that chooses to consume cannabis, that they should have access to it. And, you know, by building state-of-the-art facilities, we help kind of destigmatize the industry so that whether it's a municipality or another city or another town um, or another state is going to look at, okay, we're looking at regulating cannabis. You know, we can really become uh, uh, a beacon of light for them when they're looking at the industry. This is what a cannabis cultivation facility um, will look like. And this is the relationship that can be developed with the town. Um, all of that though. And then, so that's the driving force behind what we do. 
um, it's it's into the headwinds of the <laughs> the conflict between federal regulations and state regulations. Um, you know, and there's an inherent amount of hard work and stick to that uh, any entrepreneur looking to get in the industry has got to have, uh, you know, a, a real kind of driving mission and vision of what they want to do because, you know, it's a very challenging environment. Um, when you talk about lack of access to banking, um, most of the, the largest issues that any cannabis company is going to face comes from the the conflict between federal and state regulation. We're here with the CEO of American, Tim Keogh, here on Blunt Business. We're going to be back with him with some more questions. We have some great information to tell you about. For those of you that do not are not aware of the Massachusetts cannabis market, we're going to fill you in the latest that's going on there, and we're going to go into some other issues. But before we do that, let's go ahead and talk about the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. It's where you have the right to educate, educate, and empower the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals, just like we did last year. This year, we're coming back August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida, at the Hyatt Regency, downtown Miami, for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Visit USCC Expo for more information on how to attend. You can get your tickets right now. Early bird discounts are available through May 1st. Make sure to go to usccexpo.com. Again, the 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 3rd and 4th. Downtown Miami, Florida, usccexpo.com. Also, not too late for you to go ahead and take part in any sponsorships we have available, or if you'd like to go ahead and attend the show and be an exhibitor. We have space available, and it's not too late for you to get involved. So make sure to join us right there. usccexpo.com is where you need to go. Back with Tim Keogh and more Blunt Business after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the second annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 2nd and 3rd at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for another can't-miss event. Sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Learn more at usccexpo.com. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. 
I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. And we're back with Tim Keogh, the CEO of American here on Blunt Business, presented by USCCExpo.com. Tim, let's jump into the latest issues surrounding the fast-growing Massachusetts cannabis market. So I'm going to read from a MassLive.com article that gives us a lot of information as to what's happening in Massachusetts in the cannabis market as of, the, as of this recording. Marijuana entrepreneurs and regulators are now dealing with a host of challenges from enabling small businesses to enter the market to writing regulations for marijuana cafes to figuring out how to address, address drug driving. Now, as of January 20th, there were eight stores selling marijuana to the general adult market. Collectively, in the first nine weeks of cannabis sales, they collected $23.8 million. So, first off, Tim, talk to me about the progress being made at Massachusetts that you are observing as you're getting prepared. What we're seeing happening in the Massachusetts market is uh, the, the beginnings of uh, supply crunch. And a big piece of that is tied to the lack of infrastructure. So there's just not enough cultivation and processing capacity in the Commonwealth to support um, the the full potential of the recreational market um, and to some degree the medical market. Now, many cities and towns, oh, I'm sorry, uh, implemented moratoriums and some instituted outright bans on marijuana businesses. The moratoriums, which were meant to give towns time to write planning and zoning regulations mostly expired at the end of last year, and that's expected to open up many more potential opportunities. Now, uh, the, and the neighboring communities, like, much like Freetown and others, around your new facility, uh, responding to a business like American, bringing business to the state. How have these communities uh, responded to this? Obviously, we know what Freetown's done, and I want to know what is being done to educate the public so that those that are going to know that this facility is going to be here there's an understanding that whatever stigma is going on out there doesn't necessarily need to be that way, that people have a chance to go ahead and learn what real benefits are behind the plant and why such a facility is warranted. You know, I think the the best example that we've got are the existing facilities and the existing operators. So there's somewhere in the order of 50 medical marijuana dispensaries that have been operating in Massachusetts for the last three years, a little over three years. Um, I think at this stage, uh, there are 13 um, uh, recreational storefronts. So from um, um, having those existing facilities, you have the ability to showcase to newer communities what a marijuana cultivation facility or a dispensary actually looks like and what it means to that community. And the more these facilities are, um, you know, uh, opening up and operating in a responsible, compliant manner, um, I think you'll see a lot of the, the um, negative perceptions and the uh, reactions from communities that may be pushing back against them um, uh, kind of fading away. And so that's the best, best opportunity we've got to, to educate is just showing, uh, showing the existing facilities to neighboring communities. Exactly. Another continuing challenge has been the host community agreements that cannabis businesses must negotiate with municipalities. Although state law caps the community impact fees that cities can charge at 3% of sales, it does not explicitly preclude municipalities from requiring donations to nonprofits or charities or imposing additional fees. Practically, almost all the host agreements so far require to pay more than 3% of sales. That's in addition to state and local taxes. 
The Cannabis Control Commission of Massachusetts has asked the legislation for authority to regulate host community agreements, and it'll be up to lawmakers whether to pass a legislative fix. Now, a cannabis advocacy group not named in a story is expected to take the commission to court, and the growers say the commission already has authority to regulate these agreements. Now, with all that said, Tim, talk to me about the fiscal and regulatory hurdles your team have had to overcome to make your million-square-foot project stay ahead of schedule. Well, we were very early into Massachusetts. Uh, we were involved under the medical me- medical program, um, and we entered into a, a host community agreement very early on with the town of Freetown, actually before we even purchased the property, um, whereby Freetown agreed not to request any additional compensation from uh, the operators on our campus. And that's a, 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 a big, significant um, competitive advantage that our partners who will be growing and processing cannabis at the Massachusetts Cannabis Center have against um, the other operators that are working in towns where they are taking two, three percent of top line revenue, plus uh, some of these additional fees. I think in the big picture, those towns and municipalities are, are taking a short term short term perspective on, you know, what's going to be a long um, and, and thriving industry in the Commonwealth that's going to generate billions of dollars in revenue and jobs and economic impact. And it's the towns that, you know, are open to and in, in favor of supporting these businesses that are going to reap the, uh, the lion's share of that activity um, in the long term. Now, Tim, you know, at the start of the interview, I made mention about how <clears throat> there might be some companies that might be a little hesitant to come into a new market like Massachusetts. I'm just trying to lay out the argument for that. So that's where I'm coming from with it. <clears throat> and there's still more I have to go through, a few more hurdles to jump through. So uh, one, uh, now I already talked about the fiscal and uh, you could say the ecological hurdles that you've had to go through with, and other companies will have to deal with it. They also come into Massachusetts, but at least you're here to lay the groundwork and you're laying a definite precedent. Now, another thing is state law requires the Cannabis Control Commission. This is interesting. They ensure, to ensure that communities disproportionately affected by the enforcement of cannabis laws, often in black and Latino communities in urban cities, are able to reap the benefits of the legal industry. So can you expand on what the commission is expecting a company like Americana to do? And what are your thoughts on this addendum? It was actually, um, so this was built into the ballot initiative that passed in 2016. Hmm. And, you know, this is a, um, a trend that's happening as the industry is evolving to create opportunities for individuals and communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. Um, as far as the Cannabis Control Commission and what they've done, um, there are several programs, one of which is the um, Economic Empowerment um, Program, and which basically uh, creates a fast-track application review process for individuals and companies that qualify um, under that program. And the idea here is to take down some of the barriers and some of the hurdles for entrepreneurs that you know, um, have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. Uh, to be able to access um, opportunities within the industry. And as far as um, our application to uh, cultivate and process uh, cannabis under the regulations, you know, we've made commitments to work through uh, our our hiring programs 
and targeting these communities. The state has uh, identified um, a, a number of specific towns and communities that you know qualify as um, um, economic empowerment uh, municipalities. Fortunately for uh, the location of our site in Freetown, uh, we're in close proximity to Fall River and New Bedford, both of which um, qualify under that program. So we'll be hosting job fairs and working through uh, some workforce development and training programs to help support individuals and entrepreneurs that are looking to get into the industry um, to work at Americans facilities and potentially um, own businesses within that facility uh, to help uh, to help push that movement forward. Now, I also want to talk about how other people are looking to go ahead and make their way into the cannabis industry and who's going to have that opportunity. I want to talk about that after a quick break. But again, we're here with Tim Keogh, the CEO of American. Uh, give us some great information about a new million-dollar square foot facility he's building in the town of Freetown, Massachusetts. And obviously, we're learning about everything that's going on with the Massachusetts cannabis market, a lot of hurdles and a lot of things to know about. A little bit more we're going to talk about with Tim about on the other side of this break as we finish up here on Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. The 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo returns back to downtown Miami August 2nd and 3rd at the Hyatt Regency. Learn more on sponsorship and expo floor opportunities at usccexpo.com. Don't miss out on another jam-packed weekend of education, speed networking, powerful keynotes, a bustling expo hall, plus our can't-miss networking mega yacht event. Join us in Miami August 2nd and 3rd for the 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Don't miss the boat. Log on to usccexpo.com and learn more today. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with final questions for Tim Keogh, the CEO of American here on Blunt Business. So... Tim, I really do appreciate you tackling all these questions with me and all these hurdles. And obviously, should well, not for nothing, but thank you again for your company to really create such a great infrastructure in the state of Massachusetts for those that are going to be there and for giving us the real insight as to what's going on among all the stories we're hearing in the news and how things are moving along pretty well, it sounds like, with all uh, when all is said and done. When all is said and done, excuse me. Now, 
Massachusetts is also launching, this is also another uh, interesting, along with what we talked about before the break about uh, benefiting the industries that have been affected by the war on drugs, like you said. Another effect of the war on drugs is Massachusetts is launching the nation's first statewide social equity program to help with minorities and people convicted of drug offenses so they can work in the legal marijuana industry. Now, Massachusetts state law requires the Cannabis Control Commission to promote full participation of the industry by people disproportionately harmed by marijuana prohibition and enforcement. The commission's already giving priority and review of licensing applications to economic empowerment applicants who come from areas and groups that have been overly affected. We talked about that just before. I think the intent of the program sounds like a good thing, and I, I do believe in people getting a second chance and, you know, I mean, I also have a little bit torn where if the government's just looking for something else just to go ahead and profit off of, to tack on something else, or just to add another regulation on things just just the way government is, I think it is. But I can't read this without thinking there's an underlying political motivation. So, Tim, are you surprised the commission's instituting social and politically driven measures to create this environment of, it almost feels like affirmative action being fostered in the cannabis industry of Massachusetts. What do you think? You know, and again, I, I'll get back to um, this was part of the um, and this was built into the ballot initiative that passed. Um, and the idea was to create um, almost a mandate as part of the um, uh, legalization or recreational initiative um, to ensure that there were um, opportunities for all participants to, um, you know, or all individuals that were looking to participate in the industry to be able to have a seat at the table. And, you know, I think this is a trend that you're going to see um, in more and more states, Massachusetts and California have really taken the lead on this to ensure that, you know, there, there is diversity in the industry. Um, you know, there's diversity in the consumption of cannabis. Um, there is diversity in the, uh, um, you know, you know, so there's diversity in the consumption of cannabis, uh, but the industry itself um, still seeks to, as, as many other industries, um, bring in diversity to uh, to to help um, everyone participate in this this billion dollar opportunity. And so, you know, I I, I think that it's a it's a positive program. I think that. There, uh, there is a need, and we're certainly in, in full support of uh, helping uh, helping individuals that are looking to get into the industry um, in a legal manner to um, get experience working at state-of-the-art facilities, um, whether that's with the cultivation or on the product manufacturing side. Um, primarily because that is our focus, uh, we see this as a you know a. a a positive program, and I, I do think you're going to see it repeated into other markets. And that's the one thing I'll say is that, and I'm, I want to also preface the fact that with that question, I'm saying, you know, I know there's a real feel for, you know, in the cannabis industry, we're going to talk to other people coming up. I know one of our other guests is going to be coming up as a, as a entrepreneurial, a black woman who is uh, head of a accounting firm that's handling the cannabis industry. We're going to have her on our one of our next episodes. And we've talked to others that have talked about the idea of diversity and also giving those people a second chance. I am all in a support for that, and I want that to be done, but I also want it where the companies are not being conformed and being 
pushed into this narrative and having to go and do this. This should be something that should be a, a collective something that should be mutually acceptable and understood and say, okay, we like this idea and this is a good way of giving back and giving people that chance that might not get that chance in other cases, that this industry is very open to diversity and all it's also open to giving people that might have had that need that second chance to go ahead and really make something of themselves and find that success. You know, it doesn't have to be those that are from big corporations that are looking to take a challenge we want the challenge to be also accepted by everybody that you know it should work for everybody so i'm i'm totally in step with that and i appreciate the fact you're telling me this is really positive and i I'm, i do believe that but again i'm always a little bit a <laughs> little hesitant and skeptical of the government what can i say any kind of a government intervention is is always going to raise a red flag to me so yeah, i think you know one one thing that we're we're finding and, and this you know is um Look, the, the cannabis industry is very challenging um, yeah. on on almost every level. You know, so even accessing accounting services or web hosting services, you know, limitations on the ability to market um, your business or even take normal tax deductions. Um, this is a very challenging industry. <clears throat> Uh, so, you know, even by putting in certain programs, I think we're even seeing this problem in Massachusetts play out. Um, you know, there's still limitations for uh, getting a facility or a business up and operating in the cannabis industry. Um, and I think that these programs, uh, the social justice movement and the, you know, the economic empowerment movement are, are looking to help kind of take down some of those inherent challenges um, with cannabis. But, it's a it's a struggle for for you know any entrepreneur um, uh, on a whole. It's a discussion that we have to continue to have, and it's one that I'm very curious just to get more input from more business owners and and from more people that are coming into the business. This is a fascinating story, and I think that's something that will also I mean if you want to talk about for integrity's sake, that's going to be a good thing to say for the cannabis industry itself. But I think more than anything else. As long as the right people are coming in to do the work so we can progress this industry as a whole, I'm all for it. And that's just where I want it to be. I don't want it to be where it's something that has to be pushed on the industry when it doesn't necessarily have to be. I want it to be an open market, but I also don't want, like I said. Now, Tim, uh, real quickly, please tell us, uh, obviously, for those that you can also find the American uh, on the OTC exchange under the symbol A-C-A-N. And real quickly, please tell our listeners, take a moment to go and tell us about American, how they can learn more about the new facility being built, uh, the progress reports on it, and how they can learn how to be a part of what American's doing. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, one of the benefits of being public is, um, you know, we're we're inclusive. Um, So individuals um, that are looking to participate in the cannabis industry, you know, can participate as a, an investor in a public company. Um, you know, for us, our focus is on the cultivation and processing infrastructure. Um, the first phase of our Massachusetts Cannabis Center is coming out of the ground. Actually, the greenhouse and the warehouse portion are complete. Um, the, the structure, they're going to be building out uh, the balance of the interior systems. And that first phase of the project will be um, ready for occupancy this summer. So we're very excited about that. We've got a great partnership with an existing licensed operator 
um, Basque Incorporated that's growing and processing um, in uh, in Fairhaven, so about 20 minutes down the road from our site. But um, you know, as a public company, we're excited to be executing on our business model. Uh, you know, we're expecting revenue to uh, commence here at the uh, this calendar year, and um, it's it's exci- it's exciting. You know, we're we're on to designing building two. So building one is a three thirty thousand square foot state of the art cannabis cultivation and processing building. Uh, building two, we've got a three hundred and forty five thousand square foot buildable footprint. Uh, for greenhouse and processing and product manufacturing. Um, you know, you can learn more about the company at our website, which is American.co. Uh, we post a lot of our updates and videos on the progress of construction of the property on our social media. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I'd be uh, uh, Tim, that's happy fantastic. to answer uh, any, any questions. Oh, well, Tim, again, so the uh, website, I guess, is A-American, A-M, so put American with an extra N, dot C-O, that's where the website is. And really, I, I know there's some tough questions at you, some hardball questions, and I really appreciate you answering so well, and uh, thanks for making time for us on your busy schedule. Really do appreciate it. You got it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to seeing you down in Miami uh um, at the conference. Oh, we're looking forward to it. And thank you. You're just segueing me perfectly into letting people know about the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo sponsorship program. It's a wonderful opportunity to position you and your company as an industry leader to an audience that will listen and engage. So again, coming up August 3rd and 4th is just a couple of months away. Miami, Florida. Join us for our returning conference series, Invest in Your Future. Leave a lasting impression on thousands of attendees. Learn more at usccexpo.com slash sponsorship hyphen information and talk to the team to find out the best option for you. Again, the 2019 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 34th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Reserve your early word passes between now and May 1st. And also learn how you can go in and get your ticket for free once you share the confirmation of your registration to other friends and they sign up as well. You can go ahead and go right now and get your passes at usccexpo.com. People are already signing up, so I hope you do it and join us in Miami just like me and Tim, usccexpo.com. Thanks for joining us here on Blunt Business. You can download past episodes by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.